right, well, hey guys, uh, welcome to Burn the Ship, the podcast that inspires entrepreneurs to go all in and connect them with professionals that can help them do it. Today we have Jonathan Porter here. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming in. Thanks so much we for having me. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan is with Porter Logic. So, tell us your your journey. How did you get to where you're at? You know what uh, what brought you to this industry? What you were doing before? Yeah, absolutely. So. I have uh, I've honestly been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've grown up in a very entrepreneurial family. My parents have a small business in the residential construction area. So um, always knew I would kind of start a company at some point. Um, even back to, you know, when I was in Boy Scouts, I was the top selling popcorn seller. <laughs> and uh, I actually had a side business in middle school and high school making flyers for real estate agents. So I kind of have always had this mindset of find a problem if I can solve it, uh, you know, and make a business out of it, go for it. So no, that's awesome. Um, did engineering at Georgia Tech and um, industrial in- engineering actually and got right into supply chain after that. So I went to work for um, a large uh, supply chain software company called Manhattan Associates. Um, they make warehouse management software, um, transportation management software. So there's there's a lot of software behind when you click buy on a website, all of the kind of software that makes that possible for that package then get to your door. Um, that's kind of the supply chain software world that I found myself in. And um, it fit perfectly because I love technology. I love computers. I love everything about coding, um, kind of self-taught coder, did a little bit of coding in school, but um, had been coding on the side since high school. And so um, did a, have worked at a few companies after Manhattan, did a business intelligence startup, um, went to a couple smaller boutique consulting firms, um, but knew that I wanted to start my own, my own company. I, I really enjoyed the flexibility and working for myself and kind of setting my own, setting my own boundaries. So, um, actually at the, about the end of 2019 is when I started working for myself. Um, so I knew, I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to do some kind of a product, um, but found out very early on that that is a long haul. That is a really (laughs) long, long stretch to get there. So um, I I had to start bringing in revenue somehow. So that's kind of where the first business emerged, which is more of a contract development, custom software development side, um, where I'm doing work for clients and building out um, custom pieces of software. Um, But after so got that kind of up and running and got some of the revenue coming in so I could pay the bills. And that's when I really started focusing on uh, what became Porter Logic, which is um, a supply chain platform that allows companies to add agility and flexibility and uh, resilience into their into their supply chain software. So um, it's been it's definitely been a journey and it's it will continue to be a journey. I think that's one of the most important things is that we all you know, enjoy the journey that we're on. Um, But I I absolutely love where I'm at. That's awesome. How long have you had Porter Logic? So um, Porter Logic itself has been operating for a little less than a year at this point. Um, we started off by doing a lot of kind of market research, um, customer discovery, really trying to hone in on the problem that we wanted to solve. We kind of knew the arena that we wanted to operate in, um, but really wanted to focus in and niche down on a particular problem to solve, not not trying to be too broad at first. So. Um, then we built out the technology platform. Um, I, I did most of that. I, I'm, you know, like I said, coder, engineer. So um, built that out. We're kind of in the pilot phase right now. So um, working on kind of proving out the system, getting a couple of these proof of concept going so that we can really, um, you know, we know the, the value that we bring, but at the same time, making sure that the kind of the market is there and um, that we can really prove what we what we believe. So, um, with kind of the goal of really kind of broader launching towards the end of this year and into next year, kind of opening it opening up to a broader market. Yeah, no, that's awesome. 
So you're you're from Atlanta, from Georgia, um, and you went to Georgia Tech. What did you study there? Studied industrial. It's called industrial and systems engineering, actually. So um, it, it's a excellent program, and just generally speaking, it really helps you understand systems and processes. Um, I originally was thinking of doing mechanical engineering, actually, but um, went to <laughs> went to a meeting with. Um, I think it was the dean or the you know somebody up in the mechanical engineering school, and um, the story that they happened to tell me, I, I, nothing nothing bad about mechanical engineering, but they told me a story about designing uh, ductwork for buildings, and it just didn't sound as appealing to me. So that's really what kind of made me say, okay, let me look at some of these other engineerings, um, and found industrial, and it really fits the way that my mind works. I'm extremely analytical and just very logical. I break down systems and I mean, even just walking around the house, I'm optimizing the route and how many stops. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely a nerd. There's no hiding that. So, so does that tie in with your business? I, I would say absolutely. I mean, okay. part of part of I think anything about code and software is that you kind of have to be able to think that way. It takes, um, you know, it takes a mindset of being able to see a problem and break it down into its steps, um, because then that's how you kind of go out and go out and do the coding of it. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say that that plays to plays to the business. So I saw when we looked at the website um, and we were kind of doing a little bit of research to kind sure. of get a feel for, you know, kind of what you guys have out there in, in the marketplace. I saw, you know, I saw low code yep. and I've, we've had a little bit of, we do a lot of work with software companies. Sure. And so I, we've seen no code yep. advertised and, and, you know, we've this, there's a lot of these different catchphrases that we see out there. What what does that mean for you guys? Like how much, you know, that distinction between no code, low code, you know, full development. Yeah. What, how do you walk that line? Like what what's kind of underneath the hood? Yeah, are... it's a great question. And it, it is a it's a it's a hot topic right now. A lot of people are talking no code, low code. Um, and the line blurs. Definitely. I don't think that there's a, a super formal definition necessarily. Um in my opinion, it seems like low code is where it is very visual based editors that you're using to create whatever that technology is set out to create, whether that's creating other applications or just, you know, generally speaking, other low code, no code systems. Um, we are very much calling ourselves low code because our target uh, user is more in the somewhat technical arena. So we're not necessarily saying that it's a full-time developer that's going to use this, um, but somebody traditionally probably in like the IT department of a supply chain organization, um, we have plans to kind of further expand into full business users and kind of like citizen developer is the term you're hearing a lot now. Um, So we do want to broaden that, that user base, um, but kind of we're, we're putting our foot in the ground at low code because, um, I think a lot of the no code systems kind of uh, miss the mark in the functionality. I mean, they pro- there's many systems that are great at what they do. And, they make big claims. Well, but it, it just it's hard to sometimes really get the functionality you need out of that. Um, and that's where more of this low code can kind of capitalize on the efficiency gains because uh, I say this coming as a software developer. Coding full development is extremely inefficient, especially for one-off custom needs. Um, I, you know, building a technology platform, well, that's one thing, but kind of if you're just trying to build your one thing, it's an inefficient way to do it. So we benefit and get the, you know, get everything from that kind of visual editors, drag and drop every, you know, we, we speed up the process but still then have that uh, level of detail that you can get to in order to really achieve the functionality you need. Sure. 
Yeah, no, I think that's what it seems like is if I'm wanting to build, let's say, a CRM or yeah. just something for my business and I want to start from scratch, I'm literally, and I bring you in to just start at the, yep. at the very foundation of it, you got to do everything yep. for literally from scratch. Like yep. that's a hugely expensive project. Very, like you said, very inefficient. So yep. I could, uh, that, that the appeal of that low code kind of, you know, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like the guts of it are already there and in place and you can just kind of customize it and just kind of, I'm exactly. sure. I'm sure that its capabilities grow over time too. Absolutely, because you're still having to build things behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. To yep. give it more to appeal to a broader audience. Yeah, it's it's definitely not low code behind the scenes. I'll right. say that. So, That's right. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. And I think I mean every every company, every organization does have things that are unique about the way that they operate. It's it's very difficult in today's business landscape to find off-the-shelf software that's going to do exactly what you need. Um, I mean, even down to, you mentioned CRMs, but I mean, communication tools, all of them, I mean, they all have pros and cons. And um, that's the challenge of when you're building off-the-shelf software is that you have to try and appeal to the broadest market, um, but you end up, you know, missing some of that at the end there. So um, I think that's where tools like Porter Logic and there's a lot of other low codes out there. But um, specifically, the way that we're building Porter Logic is meant to kind of be a layer on top of existing supply chain technologies. So that's, I think, one of the kind of um, unique things, unique opportunities we've seen in the market is that you're we're not trying to replace existing technology. I mean, there's a lot of excellent warehouse management systems out there, transportation management. Those are massive systems that are taking, you know, 12 to 18 months to implement and are extremely expensive. So we're just trying to make those easier to work with. So are we talking about like, so let's say I'm, um, you know, I'm a manufacturing or sure. I'm some kind of logistics or, you know, something like that. I mean, somewhere in the supply chain Yeah. and I've got, I could have what, two, three, four, six different pieces of software that are running in my office. Yeah. I would and say at least are we, we're talking about integrations from one thing to another. So like that's, I've, that's I've got of it. two different tools that I use and I want them to be integrated to each other. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. That's a big piece of supply chain technology is making all the systems talk um, because there's just best of breeds in different arenas. So some people are going to be better at building order management. Some people are better at warehouse management. So yes, you end up with a lot of different softwares, usually from different vendors. Um, so making them talk is a, is a challenge. Um, and that's one of the things we are building into Porter Logic um, to make that easier. Um, but I, one of the, one of the things that we're really trying to capitalize on as well is exactly that the plethora of systems out there. And so we don't want you to have to have, an additional three or four systems just to make your core systems talk to each other and work together. Um, we want to have one system that you can layer on top that's going to be an extra extra layer of everything you need to make those core systems do their job most effectively and let you operate your business the way that you, you want to. So um, I think that there's it's just blown me away in my supply chain career how unique some of the requirements really get. Um, I mean, just small example, but the, I did a project with a large um, food service distributor. So, you know, they're distributing to restaurants and the just the level of detail about the food requirements and how they're stored and that certain products can't be stored on top of others because, I mean, you wouldn't want raw chicken dripping on vegetables or something. So, I mean, it's all logical things, but it's just so specific and shellfish is always something that stands out in my <laughs> mind. It's so, it's funny, but the receiving requirements of pull, bringing a box of shellfish product into a warehouse is astronomical. So it's wow. just things like that, 
that an off-the-shelf package software, it's never going to be able not to even cover. Close. And it's not efficient for them to either. I mean, it, you know, it's not in their best interest to build that level of custom functionality into their technology. Sure. So that's where I think Porter Logic has a real synergy with some of these um, other softwares and other vendors. You know, we're not looking to compete. We're looking to make your systems better. We're looking to, you know, let your clients uh, do, do what they want to do while also still using your software. Okay, so we're talking maybe... Um, maybe I'm a smaller, medium-sized player somewhere along the chain. Yeah, we typically and, go for like the medium to kind of small enterprise. So we don't try and go after the the kind of huge, you know, like the Fortune 50 or. So anything, not the startups, but, not the huge whales. Yeah, we kind of have this this nice chunk in the middle there. So it's like I've got this one main thing that is my like what you'd call the core, the yep. system where we live in a lot, and then I have lots of other things that we use. Are we talking about kind of coming in and doing a consultation where we assess the whole landscape and maybe build actually do build something but on the platform and where it potentially might replace a few of the, the kind of peripheral things that you're using and you could kind of maybe go from eight systems down to four and something like that? And I mean, is it that type of thing? I mean, you are doing a full service kind of yeah, a survey can, at the beginning. You can do that, and we do definitely offer kind of professional services type consulting engagements like that. Um, really, where we see it going is more empowering the company to do a lot of this themselves. So that's one of the things that I found um, early in my career is that um, folks on the kind of the industry side, per se, the folks working at the supply chain organizations, whether it's in the IT departments or just kind of in your operations side, um, very handcuffed to a lot of the vendors, you know, you get, you kind of, you choose a couple of vendors and you really, you know, you rely on them a lot. And if that relationship doesn't, you know, doesn't pan out or for whatever reason, you're kind of stuck. So we see a real opportunity to help let the companies themselves give them the tools that they need to enable their processes, enable their system. And of course, we're always here to help. And, you know, we will, we can do exactly as you're saying, some of that, um, you know, consulting type work to analyze your systems. Um, we can help you eliminate systems if that's your goal. But like I said, we work with a number of other systems. And so we're not, that's not necessarily a goal of ours. We're just trying to help you get as much value as possible. And if that, if that means for you simplifying your systems, then we can absolutely help yeah, you there. That's great. So potentially a SaaS model then too. Absolutely. I mean, that yep. may be more, more the, the direction. Is, yeah. So is what you're saying. And for our audience that doesn't know what is SaaS? <laughs> so SaaS is a software as a service. And so, yes, we are SaaS. Um, essentially, what that means is instead of buying the software outright, is that we are providing the software to you as a service. So you're typically subscribing to that, um, whether that's in a kind of per transaction basis. Um, we do more of an annual subscription. Some people will do monthly subscriptions. Um, and it, it's a term that's really started to come into business software recently. But it, you know SaaS throughout everything. I mean, uh, anything that you're subscribing to on a monthly basis from a software perspective, whether that's an app or email, whatever that might be, that could kind of fall into that SaaS um, category. And we are SaaS. We are um, trying to true cloud native. That's one of the things that we really see the supply chain going is re is it's starting that huge cloud transition. Um, and I'm sure some you may be asking, well, like, hasn't cloud already happened? And in a lar in some industries, absolutely. I mean, we've been benefiting from cloud technologies for 10, 15, 20 years at this point. But um, the nature of supply chain software is such that it is just, I mean, it's mission critical to these companies. So it is, there, there's been some lagging behind in accepting the kind of the, the cloud 
benefits and moving some of these technologies into cloud. Um, but really over the last three to five years, we've seen an acceleration in that. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the one of the areas that the, the supply chain software industry still really has to grow is to continue that move into the cloud, um, just because there are so many benefits just from, I mean, you can look at it just from the hard numbers and the, the cost, you do have a lot of savings working in a cloud environment. Just the agility. Um, the agility and the, the you know, the, it, it just makes it easier all around. It makes it easier for your vendors to, to service the software. It makes it easier for you to get updates on it security-wise. And I know cloud security is a topic that comes up a lot, but um, my opinion is tra traditionally, I mean, these cloud providers are spending millions and millions of dollars making their systems secure. So I think that more often than not, a cloud provider's security is going to be far greater than the security that you know your own team may be able to provide a legacy um, installed software that gets updates once or twice a year is never going to be able to keep yeah. up with uh, something in the cloud that's getting updates daily yeah. hourly to the minute very I mean, very true evolving yeah. threats so yeah i think the cloud's got them beat there absolutely hands so. down so when it comes to the supply chain i mean i think of logistics and supply chain as like just a 10 million pound dinosaur right so i think of it as like there's all these different companies along the way sure. that are all kind of shipping from one place to the next and I mean, we've seen this a lot in the last year with absolutely <clears throat> all kinds of products yeah everything go try to buy a new car yeah um or you know a computer or anything, housing anything electronic yeah. yeah and i mean we could probably talk about that you know in, in great detail but yeah. and i'm sure you know a lot about it but i mean it makes sense that that industry it didn't adopt the cloud early on that they they just have so many different things that they're involved in and it's such a complex process yeah. that they just kind of dug their heels in and and stuck around with what they had and so they're really they're really ripe for you know kind of a disruption yeah it, it's it's i think it really is time for the cloud to kind of you know, take a bigger step in the supply chain software world. But you also, I do kind of understand where a lot of these organizations are coming from in that, you know, if a warehouse management system for a large distributor is down, even for a couple minutes, I mean, that can cause chaos of ripple effects. It's not just the, you know, the immediate time it's down, but it can throw your warehousing operation off for, you know, days or trying to recover from something like that. So I very much can understand where these kind of companies and organizations are coming from. Sure. Um, but I think that a lot of that has kind of progressed and come up within the last three to five years. You know, these are a lot of times these are guaranteed SLAs or service level agreements. So the cloud providers and even the, the SaaS software companies will contractually guarantee you, OK, your systems will be available Typically, I mean, it's like 99.99% of the time, you know, it's a very high number. So, um, and those are contractually obligated types of things. So, you know, if your provider's not adhering to those, well, then you have, you, you can kind of get some recourse from that. Um, so I think that those types of things have, and just other success stories too, you know, some, some of the early adopters, other companies have been able to see, okay, we, this is what, this is what, you know, company ABC has done and they've been successful moving their supply chain systems into the cloud. And so there's just that building level of confidence. There's that kind of building momentum of, all right, we can, it's the technology is finally there that we really can take advantage of this. Sure. So 
why did we why did the whole world run out of computer chips <laughs> what what happened like what's going on uh, what what we can't we can't buy anything with chips yeah anymore. that's a it's an extremely complicated <laughs> question and i and i'm probably only qualified to comment on a small portion of it because you, you'd have to probably really talk to an economist and all kind of different people to understand fully but I'm just not making um, enough I, well i think that so there's a there's a concept that we you learn um, I learned it in supply chain classes at Georgia Tech called the bullwhip effect and it, it kind of um, if you can imagine what a bullwhip looks like I mean probably not the best name but you can kind of imagine what this curving whip looks like of that the end consumer is the smallest at the beginning and so they're going to see the fewest kind of variations in the whole supply chain but just due to the way that ordering from different vendors works as you move farther and farther back into um, you know farther up the tier of suppliers that affects print that becomes much more pronounced. So a 10 unit fluctuation in demand at the end consumer level could result in millions of units of fluctuations to the raw uh, raw materials provider. And it's those types of things that are just, when demand shifts as drastically as it did during the pandemic, it's extremely hard for these upstream suppliers to recover. So. I mean, I don't know specifics, but it could easily go back to, you know, the raw materials coming out of the ground to make some of the silicon and the, the chips and things. That is what got out of whack and sure. has led to some of these other shortages. Um, but I think it's also a combination of things. I know that, I mean, there's some been manufacturing challenges as well that, I mean, we're just reaching capacity, which I, I, it sounds crazy, but I mean, the demand is so high for chips now and it's a three to five year process to build some of these foundries that are making these things. So sure. um, it, it's just, it's a long, it takes a long time. It, so it's the perfect it, storm. Exactly. It's crazy yeah. high demand, not yeah. enough people, you know, co you know, COVID happened. Yeah. You've got, you know, many, maybe the capacity manufacturing. Yeah. It, um, it really, perfect storm is the best way to say Everything that. has one in it. I mean, yeah. a teddy bear that talks to you. <laughs> yeah. That you pull the cord on it's got a little chip in there probably it that's probably does yeah it's picking out what thing to say yeah so. mo most people don't think about it. i mean every car just about nowadays i mean has a computer chip if not multiple computer oh, yeah. chips in it so oh, yeah. um I, I don't quote me on the source but i remember seeing a, a somewhere that the average luxury car nowadays has almost 200 million lines of code running all the various different pieces of uh -huh. it which is hard to fathom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just mind-boggling. Yeah, truck manufacturers, and I saw this a couple of months ago, so they were they were building the trucks. I think uh, GMC was doing this, maybe Ford as well, um, and I don't know, maybe Toyota even. So lots, a lot of the big ones. They, uh, they were building the vehicles. They didn't have all of the components they needed, so they were just building them anyway mm. and just parking them in yeah. a huge holding Doesn't lot. Surprise me. And they had just tens of thousands of 98% finished vehicles that were just sitting there waiting, waiting and they the were just, they just like, we're going to keep doing going anyway. And they were, yeah. I think they even had a name for it. Um, uh, build shy. So they were uh, literally just almost finishing and just keep, keep the line moving. Yeah. So, well, and that's, uh, hopefully we start to see some of these, uh, you know, supply chain fluctuations working themselves out. But, um, I will say for the industry overall, I mean, it, there's a huge spotlight now shined on supply chain. I mean, where, where it used to maybe just be something people in the industry are talking about, 
everyone is now, uh, you know, very aware of, you know, we couldn't get toilet paper, we couldn't get hand sanitizer, <laughs> all of these things. It, it's now very much in the forefront of people's minds that this is, you know, it can affect our daily life. It can affect, you know, everything. Um, and you start thinking about scenarios where like, you know, food supply chains, like how critical are that to the way that we live nowadays? And so, it, you know, it's things that folks that worked in supply chain knew about, but it's now so much in the forefront of everyone's mind that I think there is just, there's going to be continued innovation and continued investment in the in the technology that powers supply chains. Um, and that's why I think that um, Porter Logic is kind of really in a good position and we're poised well. Well, they're a spotlight being on the industry puts you guys in a wonderful position Absolutely. because your, your conversations you're having with these people that are looking at this, you know, it's very relevant. Yeah. Uh, um, so question. So it seems like from just from listening to everything that you've become an expert and of course your industry very, very knowledgeable of what you do, um, but then also customer service and customer satisfaction. So tell us about how important that is and what you do and you know how you developed it and how our audience can develop it and what they do. Great question. And I, I really think that a lot of success in business does come back to the relationships and how you deal with your the people in, on your team, your customers. I mean, you really have to look at it as a partnership, um, especially kind of where we're at. I mentioned we're kind of piloting a lot of the software. And so, you know, it, that is very much built on relationships. So um, I think that the, the probably the best the best advice that I could give just generally speaking of where what's worked for me is you have to be doing something that you really enjoy. I mean, I, you can tell I love software and I love supply chain. It's like the perfect marriage. So mm -hmm. if you're not doing something that you enjoy, it's difficult to service customers and really have that full, you know, team partnership feel. And, you know, people can see that kind of stuff. So I think that that's one of the things is find somewhere that, you really love and enjoy to work and then it won't be as big of a, a challenge more natural to, exactly yes and that's i think it's just it you know we only have so long that we're all here and only so long even a shorter amount of time that we can all work right so it's like you why why spend your time doing something that you don't enjoy i think that's one of the the beauties of entrepreneurship and just i mean it's it's the world that we're in, I mean, while starting a company is by no means easy, mm -hmm. it is a, you know, a better time to be starting a company than 50 or 100 years ago. I mean, just the, the technology and the resources. I mean, I Shopify is one that is a company I, I look up to a ton. And I mean, they they have just made it so easy that you can just you can set up an online store and start selling. I mean, I, I'm not trying to do a sales pitch for them, but you know, it, it's very easy. And so a lot of those types of technologies are making it a great time to be starting a business. But that would be maybe the the advice and caution all in, all wrapped in one is do it in something that you really love and enjoy. Yeah. So if you weren't doing uh, Porter Logic, what, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, that's an interesting question, actually. Um, I'm going to give a boring answer in that I okay. love what I'm doing. I mean, I love coding. I love technology. I, I do really love supply chain as well. So even if it wasn't Porter Logic, I would say it's something, it would be something in this arena still. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, every, every day I wake up just feeling so lucky that I'm, I've built what I have and that I'm able to do what I do. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't feel like work. And I know yeah. that sounds so cliche. No, but like it's halfway, it's almost uh, halfway, almost a, a trick question because I feel like, if you do have a backup plan, then you're not going to put 100% into what you do. Yeah. So I, it's good that you don't have a backup plan. <laughs> I would agree. And I think that, I mean, 
extreme focus is one of the ways that you have one of the only ways to succeed in entrepreneurship. I mean, if you don't know exactly what you're doing and focused on your niche and your, you know, your customers and your problem you're solving. I mean, there's just, there's so many other people doing it kind of to my point earlier about it, it is easier to start a company. I mean, that, that brings a lot of competition in, mm -hmm. you know, in the f types of folks that are starting companies. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's important. Yeah. I mean, something that my husband tells me all the time is be a student of your profession. I love that. There yeah. You go. He's been, he's been telling me that for a while. <laughs> so I totally get it Yeah, because it makes you, of course, you know, better at what you do and better than some of your competition. Yeah. Even if you're not trying to compete with other companies, but it just makes you, you know, just great at what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let me see. So how, how can we find you? What's your website? Um, do you have social media, phone number? Yeah. So porterlogic.com. Um, you can find us. We are mostly on LinkedIn and Twitter. So Porter Logic, um, at Porter Logic on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. I guess LinkedIn doesn't have like an at. It, it, they need to they need to brand <laughs> that somehow. But yeah, so the company page is Porter Logic. Um, so yeah, those are the, probably the best ways to kind of find out more about us. Um, you can always email me, Jonathan at PorterLogic.com. Jonathan without um, an H. Without an H, yes. Jonathan <laughs> is a surprisingly... It's a common name with a surprising number of spellings. Yep. So, My yes. husband's name is John oh, with an H. Okay. So I always well, remember the different spellings. There you go. Yep. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Jonathan. So. Got it. So then how can we help you as far as like referrals or anything goes? Yeah. Well, I would say, um, so I, kind of, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but so the target customer we go after is that kind of mid-sized to small enterprise supply chain organization. So really any company that is that operates their own supply chain, whether that's a trucking fleet all to a warehouse, I mean, to, a, to even just uh, managing orders that you might have a third party logistics company fulfilling. Um, anybody, any companies that have that kind of operations going, we can help with. So I think that, you know, um, anybody that is that you guys know or that is listening or anything like that, that you, you know, kind of needs need some added flexibility and agility in their operations, um, I'd say give us give us a call. Awesome. Well, we will keep that in mind. Um, so thanks for coming on with us. Yeah. We appreciate you coming Absolutely. out here. This has been and a lot of fun. So yeah, I was going to really say we had a good time. So, yeah, thanks A lot so of good much. conversation. Absolutely. So make sure y'all check him out on LinkedIn, website, email him if you've got questions or anything. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thank we you will, so much. Yep. We'll see y'all in the next right, episode. Have a great day.